Good morning, everybody. Praise God. We're having a time at church already, aren't we? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't get quiet just because I'm up here. You guys were all shouting for Martin. Why don't we give the Lord a good shout right now? Just lift your hands to heaven and praise the Lord. Come on, you can do better than that. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just spend a little bit of time just worshiping him right now. Father, we worship you. We thank you this morning for what an awesome privilege we have to gather together and be in your presence at this church and different churches all over the nation. There are people that are gathering today. And we thank you that we still have this opportunity to sit at your feet and hear from you, hear from the anointing and receive of the bread from heaven. You said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we thank you today that we'll receive food from heaven. We'll receive manna from heaven. And faith will rise up in our heart. And we declare we will never, ever be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Well, let's get into the Word. Are you ready? If you would, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. We'll use that as a text. We've been uh, talking on the subject of divine healing. And so we're, I think we are in part three of healing for today. Hallelujah. And today we're going to specifically talk about healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. There are different, uh, there's more than one method of receiving healing. Amen. There's the gifts of the Spirit. There's prayer. There's the prayer of faith. The Bible says, and the prayer of faith will raise him up. So there's different ways we'll see in the Scripture. We'll probably go through all of the different instances through the Scripture so that we can have faith for these things. And, uh, you know, God just wants you to receive healing any way that you can receive. And, uh, you know, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, and he brought forth from his body handkerchiefs and aprons, and for as many that touched them, evil spirits departed from them. I mean, there's different ways that the ministry of healing and the healing anointing can be administered to an individual. And so we want to go through all those because I believe we're about to see, uh, if I can use the word, a revival of healing in the church. Not that there hasn't been healing in the church, but I think that for a season, whatever it is that you teach on, that's what there seems to be faith for. And so if we teach on, a, you know, prosperity, let's say we teach on prosperity for the next six months, guess what comes by the hearing of that word? Faith. And inevitably, there's going to be uh, just pockets everywhere within the congregation of people that are rising up financially and prospering. Well, the Lord laid it on my heart. I don't know how long we'll do this. It could be for the rest of the year, and I never really get bored of it. The Lord put it on my heart to start talking on the subject of divine healing. Now, have you noticed that you can watch TV and you can watch commercials during your program and every commercial, there's something about some kind of disease or some kind of medication that you can take for that disease because it seems like that disease is more prevalent than ever. Uh, and so, you know, on the contrary, the church has an answer to disease. The church has a remedy to disease. Just like you can go on YouTube and you can find all, all kind of different natural 
answers or remedies. It may or may not work, but there's certain things that would be good for your physical body, correct? Well, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about Mark chapter 5. You don't have to turn there, but let's just think about this thought for a second. Mark's gospel, you remember the story of Jairus, and Jairus' daughter was at the point of death, and Jairus comes up to Jesus. He says, if you'd come to my house, and if you'll lay hands on my daughter, she'll, she'll live and not die. And in the midst of that process, on the way to Jairus' house, uh, we see that a woman with the issue of blood stops Jesus, interrupts the, the travel, stops him, and there was a crowd of people that came with him, and they're thronging Jesus. She touches the hem of his garment. Virtue comes out of his body. She's whole. You've heard the story. Now, in the process of going from that meeting, if you want to call it a meeting, to Jairus' house, people stopped Jesus and stopped Jairus and said, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter's dead. Right? And what did Jesus say to Jairus? I want you to get this point right here. He said, be not afraid, only believe. Now, I was sitting there thinking about that, and the Lord just kind of emphasized that. I seen it highlighted in my spirit, the word only. Everybody say that with me, the word only. He said, be not afraid, only believe. Now, if we think about this, we talked about this a little bit Friday. We had a Bible study at the house with the young adults, and it was really interesting uh, there's a lot of alternatives that we have in the United States. We're really blessed with a lot of liberties and freedoms and different things that we have. We were talking to Anu, and she, you know, they're from Nigeria, and she said, when we come to the United States, we have so many different things that we don't have in Nigeria. We don't have a 911 response system. I didn't know that, that they don't have an emergency response system. And actually, you feel kind of privileged to come here and have the ability to dial 911, and you don't, we don't think about that. But when you're in Nigeria, you don't have certain things. Or different countries, you don't have maybe certain options that we have. The only option, that's the word only that came into my spirit, the only option that they had was the name of Jesus. The only option that they had was faith in God. And so when symptoms would come on their child, we would just immediately, we would take our child, rush them to the emergency room. Well, they didn't have that, or they might not have that in certain countries. So all they had was what they had knowledge of through the scripture, which brought faith in their heart. And so they would stand round about their child and just pray in the Holy Ghost until that child, the fever left or the symptoms left. That was the only option that they have. Well, I think if we draw a comparison to where we have been in the United States for so many years, we're kind of spoiled. I like to say it like this, is we've, we've turned into like spoiled brats because we've gotten comfortable with other remedies and we've put, in, we, we've put God, you know, on the escape clause. In other words, just in case the natural remedies and all these other things don't work, we have God to fall back on. And we're going to go somewhere with this today. I hope We're going to talk about this for a while. So if you're, if you're bored about this, that's okay. Because we see in the ministry of Jesus that he did three things. He taught, he preached, and he healed. He went from village to village. He went from place to place. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. That was the main thrust of his ministry. Everywhere he went was to heal. Right? 
In fact, Acts 10.38, just a little bit of review. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. What did he do from village to village? He healed. But before he healed, they came to hear. To hear what? He had to have been teaching on healing. He had to have been opening up the book in Luke chapter 4 where he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? That's what he said. Because that we find that in record right there in Luke chapter 4 that he, he held a meeting right there. He opened up the book and found the place where he was at in the Scripture. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He has anointed me to open up blind eyes. He's anointed me to unstop deaf ears. He's anointed me to set the captive free. He's anointed me to give a good news, preach the good news, heal the sick. All these things were his job description, and he talked about that anointing being on him. Well, what do you suppose that did as he taught that? I suppose and believe and conclude that it brought faith in the hearts of people to receive from him. And that's why when he was in town, a lot of people wanted to touch him. Why? Because he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In other words, it's a tangible substance that's on me, and you can receive of that. Hallelujah. And so, and, 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 and mark record of this, if you want to study this out, Luke chapter 4, from the beginning of him telling people he's anointed, that he that he is the one, he is the savior, he is the healer. They wanted to throw him off the cliff. From day one, they wanted to shut him down. They wanted to censor him. And from that day to this day, it still has not stopped. Don't you think that a lot of these attacks in the world aren't, aren't aimed at Jesus and aimed at the church and people that believe in the name of Jesus? Don't you think that it's not about you? Now, don't get all mad like some people are and get all depressed because I'll tell you what, when they tried to censor the, the, the children of God in the book of Acts, you know what they did? They took, they took glory for the fact that they were able to, to take the reproach for the name of Jesus and they rejoiced in the shame. You know, I was thinking about this. I'm not even in my notes yet, but y'all getting anything out of this? We'll get to our text here in a second. You, you know, Brother Mark was talking about shouting and rejoicing. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You think about that scripture and you think about in Nehemiah. You know, we don't know the backstory on that. We think that they were just excited because of good things. But if you read the backstory when it comes to joy and rejoicing, there was a lot of oppression. There was a lot of things, hardships that they went through. And greater joy came through that and from that and because of that. And a lot of times we've got all these luxuries and we don't realize what it could have been or what it would be if we didn't have the revelation that we do have. If we didn't have the name of Jesus, if we didn't have the faith and the knowing that we do have where, where we could be. That's why so many people want to get into this nation. And I'll tell you what makes this nation great is the fact that we have opened doors to such a great revelation in the Scripture. 
and have had it since the birth of this nation, we've been open to Christianity and to the word of God. And it's still available today until they shut the doors. And when they try to shut the doors, we're going to be like the book of Acts in Acts chapter 4. They said, we'd rather obey God than obey man. And you're going to have to be willing to rejoice in the fact that they want to stone you, beat you, shut you down. And you're still going to have to get excited about it instead of be all mad. Because don't take what you're seeing personal right now because it's been worse. And it might get worse as the day goes on. But there's coming a day when we're getting raptured out of here. Hallelujah. And so we won't, we won't have to see the worst of it because the very fact that it's any good right now is because the light of the church is still in the earth. So when the church departs from the earth, it's going to get real bad. And so what we're seeing now is just the birth pains of what's going to happen. But we're going to exit out of this place. Then we're coming back. Now that's something to get excited about. Hallelujah. But, but you stop and think about it. You know, if we could get to the place where we only believe. I, I'm not talking about discrediting other things or discrediting doctors and hospitals and all these things i'm not saying don't go to them but go in faith how about that how about how about that go to go to a doctor in faith instead of putting god out of the equation and saying we'll lean on god later in case we have to let's try these other methods first I want to tell you something about Jesus. He is the healer. He is the great physician. He's never changed. He never will change. And our text says, you can read it right now with me in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ. That's the anointing. That's, his, that's the anointed one and God's anointing. Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It will never change his job description never changes. His assignment never changes. And we are the church. He is the head. We are the body. If he never changes, then guess what? We ought not change. It should be what we teach. It should be what we preach. And it should be what we manifest in the church and outside the church. If he's still healing today, then we've got to talk about these things. If he's still the healer, we got to be bold enough to say it. Hallelujah. we got to be bold enough to provide it. Amen. And we've also got to be strong in the Lord and strong in divine healing in our own lives to be a testimony to the rest of the world because there's coming a day when these other alternatives are going to fade away and they're not going to work. Amen. And, and, and we're seeing that now. We're starting to see that now. You're, I, I, I read something the other day, and I'm trying not to read as much because there's so much unbelief. That there was an, the first individual now that, that received a vaccine for COVID-19, and then a month later, they tested positive for it. What does that say? That there is a chance that that vaccine won't work for everybody. And I'm going to tell you, it may get worse. There may be other strains. There may be other viruses. And they may not come up with any remedy for these things in these days. Do you know, I was talking to someone in the church the other day, and then I read up on it. We have other things that are out there that we've heard about for years, like TB. And the numbers are still way up for that, but they don't talk about it. There's still things that are happening from over the years today. 
Why? Because the thief is still out there. Right? And what does he do? He comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. This, the, the earth is cursed. He's the God of this world. But guess what? We are from heaven. Amen. And we are ambassadors. Hallelujah. We're from another kingdom. And the greater one lives on the inside of us. And he has given us his authority on this earth to enforce, hallelujah, and be game changers in the earth and establish his kingdom. Praise God. We're not here to be sucked into this world system and, and, and to be cursed when he's redeemed us from the curse. In other words, he's taken us out of the curse. We have been redeemed from that. Amen. It's got no grip or hold. The power of darkness has no grip or hold on us. In fact, we've been sealed with the spirit of promise. That's like God saying, I'm putting you in an envelope and I'm putting all my good stuff in that envelope. I'm going to put moisture on the sill and close the flap so nothing else can get in but my goodness. That's what he's saying. He said, I've sealed you with the spirit of promise. And everything that's out there in this cursed world, it can't get in. Well, why is it still getting in some people? That's because not everybody believes. Now, faith is a very important element to your walk with God. All these things are true, but if you don't initiate your faith or appropriate your faith in these scriptures, they will not work for you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You may think I'm rambling, but I'm not. <laughs> this is part of my introduction. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Think about this, just to kind of substantiate that statement. There were times when Jesus, for instance, the disciples were in a boat, and they were in a storm, right? And the waves were tossing their boat back and forth, and the storm was getting bad, and they seen what they thought was a ghost walking on the sea. Who was it? It was Jesus. Was Jesus their solution? Absolutely. Could Jesus have been their answer? Yes. One translation says this, and I love it. It says Jesus would have passed them by. In other words, it took somebody to cry out. Somebody cried out and said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. What was that? Faith got his attention, right? Had they not released their faith, Jesus would not have stopped in his tracks. But something caused him to stop. Otherwise, he would have passed them by. In his own hometown, the Bible said, he could there do no mighty work. Why not? Can't Jesus do just whatever he wants to do? Doesn't he just love everybody? Yes, but he gives everybody a free will to choose to receive from him. He's not going to force his love on you if you won't take it. If you reject it, he's not going to make you take it. Did he save everybody? That's just a little bit of review. We talked about this Wednesday night. Is salvation for everybody? Is it the will of God for everyone to be saved? How do we know that? Why? He said, it is not God's will. He is not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to the repentance, right? He wants everybody to turn. Did he reconcile the whole world to himself? Yes. Where did he do that? On the cross, right? When he made his life a ransom for many, he made his life available and said, I'll give myself to you and for you in your place. That's the same place where healing was provided. Now, has everybody received Jesus? No, but salvation was available. Either they didn't hear or they rejected what they did hear. And that's the same thing for healing. There are people that have received Jesus as their Savior, but they reject Him when it comes to healing. There are people that are saved, but they reject Him when it comes to prospering because they reject prosperity. How many know people that have rejected certain aspects of the gospel, yet they're saved? Yet there may be areas of the scripture that you have kind of just, you know, it was a tough pill for you to swallow, and you haven't received that yet because you don't see it. If you stay in scripture long enough, the spirit of revelation will come on you, and you'll start seeing what's freely yours. But it's possible that because of wrong teaching, of religion, that you can reject certain things that came through the redemptive work of Jesus. Amen? And so we've got to be willing to push aside our theories, our ideas, our traditions that we've been raised up with and be, uh, get to the place where the Word of God is absolute truth to us. See, I'm getting back to this place where we have all these options and God's saying, only believe. We've got to get back to where we only believe the Scripture. Either the Word of God is true or let's throw away the whole thing. I mean, you, you can only, you know, if you can only take a few pages out of the Scripture and say, well, that's for me, and you get to pick apart what you like and what you don't like, if part of it's not good for you, then none of it's not good for you. Just throw the whole thing away. But I want you to know everything in this scripture is good for you. The whole counsel of God is absolute truth. And if you can find it in the word, get to the place in this day and era that we live in today where you only believe. Can, can we not just set ourselves like a flint? Can we not just, in other words, kind of get hard-headed with this and say, no, I'm believing God. I, I, either God's dead, and everything is a fairy tale what we're teaching. No, 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 that, that's not the truth, right? We, we, you've come too far to tell me that. I can probably go to every one of you in here and you've got a story to tell how the power of God raised you up or how the power of God healed certain things in your body or in your marriage or maybe you've seen things that were dead in your life, resurrected. It's too late to tell people in this church that Jesus Christ is not alive today. He's alive today. I've seen it in my own life. You can't convince me otherwise. It's, it's too late to tell me that God doesn't do miracles. It's too late to tell me that God doesn't heal today. It's too late to tell me if you don't believe it then you've rejected it and you probably won't walk in that but I, it's too late for you to tell me that God has not sealed me with the spirit of promise and I'm protected and kept by his power I've seen too many instances where God spared me and saved my life and did things for me well what about so and so I can't answer for how they believed I can't answer for what they've spoken out of their mouth but I can answer for what the word of God says and it's true regardless of what someone else has experienced come on 
somebody. And I want you to know, if you get your words in line with what the Word of God says, it'll pave a way of protection for you. It'll pave a way of divine health for you. If you believe only. That's what he said. Believe only and don't be afraid. Believe only and don't be afraid. I love that. In other words, I ain't got time for the alternatives. But if I am going to do those things, I'm going to do it in faith. In other words, I'm going to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God tells me to do certain things in the natural, I'm going to follow that path. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Not sure how many syllables that is, but it sounds good to me. Hallelujah. Say that with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. And so we can expect that the works that he did in the Bible, he can still do today. In fact, we're going to find this out through this message and through this Bible study today, that we can expect to do the works of Christ here on this earth. In fact, we can also see the early church operating in the authority in the name of Jesus doing the works of Christ. And if that's the same for them, that's the same for us because that's the same church. You know, what's interesting, if you look at the book of Acts and you go to the last chapter in the book of Acts, it doesn't end. There's no ending. Most of the epistles, you'll see there's an ending. There's some kind of salutation. There's some kind of prayer at the end. There's an ending. Why is there no ending to the book of Acts? Because the book of Acts are the acts of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit hasn't ended. And neither has the church ended. And so if we see it in the book of Acts, we ought to be expecting those same works to be in our home, in our church, and in our circles. We ought to see the same acts of the Holy Spirit flowing and moving through our lives, ministering to other people. Has Jesus changed? No, he has not stopped. Now, go with me real quick to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. Just want to show you something, and then we'll get into the name of Jesus. Faith in the name of Jesus. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. Y'all enjoying this this morning? Hallelujah. It's easy to preach this morning, easy to flow. We could just preach all day. Mark 16, verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, this is called the Great Commission, he said, Go ye into all the world. And notice, before there's any signs, what does he tell them to do? Preach. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Right? So people need to hear what? The gospel. And who do we preach it to? To every creature. And notice what he said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So is it possible that you could sit in a a setting where the word of God's being preached and you don't believe it? Right? What does the scripture say? He that believeth not is condemned or damned. And so, is it important for you to take these scriptures and only believe? Yeah. Because your faith 
has something to do with your receiving. And then look what it says in verse 17. He said, and these signs shall follow them, not, not Christians. You can be an unbelieving believer, right? So it really specifies some things right here. It says, these, these signs shall follow them that what? Believe. So what's the catalyst? What's the emphasis on here? You believing. It's your faith. He says, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, I wouldn't go into picking up certain things unless you believe. And then if you're believing, I still wouldn't go into picking up certain things because I wouldn't tempt the Lord. But it says if you do pick up or if you do drink any deadly thing, because some things you don't know what you're taking, some things you don't know what you ate, some things you don't know if it was cooked at the right temperature, right? I'm just saying if certain things do happen, it says if you do, it shall not hurt you. Who's the you? It's the believer. Not the religious person. It's the believer. How important is it for you to believe these things? Well, if you want to participate in those kind of results, you have to be found as a believer. Now, what feeds belief? I'm here to help you today. Hearing, thank you. Faith comes how? Belief comes how? Not by praying. Praying's important. But belief comes how? By hearing. And hearing by the word of God. We read that in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 and, and on verse 17 throughout there. Then it goes on to say, how shall they believe unless they hear? Right? How shall they hear unless there's a preacher? And how shall there be a preacher unless he's, unless he's sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. In other words, there's a great value on the mouthpiece that's preaching truth to you. That's why he says, how beautiful are the feet of them that, that come your way to preach this truth to you because being that you're hearing what they're saying, you're in a position for your belief to be affected. And when your belief is affected, what, what, what does that change? It changes the way you talk. Right? And the Lord knows and the devil knows. That what you say out of your mouth will determine the course that you go in in life. You're going to have whatever it is that you say. That's in red. Jesus said that, right? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So people say, you better change your words. Well, you don't just change your words by changing your words. If you want to change your words, you've got to change who you're listening to. If you change who you're listening to, then what that person's saying to you will affect what you're hearing. And what you're hearing, you see this? It's a chain reaction. It affects your belief. And then your belief affects your words, and your words affect your having. 
Now, if you're listening to the news all the time and you're listening to all the reports all the time, then you're going to start saying, well, I sure hope I don't get it. I sure hope I don't get sick. I sure hope that. And what are your words doing? Your words are speaking in a way that's anticipating something to come on you. And you think with talking that way, you're protecting yourself and shielding yourself, but you're not. Fear is actually opening yourself up for things to come in. What's greater than, than the mask that you can put over your nose and your, and your mouth is your tongue. I didn't plan on getting into this, but what you say matters because we believe, therefore we speak. Well, what's that got to do with our, with our scripture here? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do. These signs shall follow them that believe. Now, I like algebra because X always meant something. You could find out what X meant or what Y meant. You know, so you, you can find out. Uh, you, you could put believe there and make it an X. And you can find out what believing is and put that in the equation. What is believing? Well, we believe, therefore we speak. So you could say this, these signs shall follow them that are speaking. Speaking what? What they believe. In other words, I could sit around and have a conversation with you, and if I spend enough time, what's on the inside of you about what you believe, it's going to come out. And if... 20 minutes of griping comes out, then you got a lot of unbelief in you. If 20 minutes of heartache comes out, then, you got a, then that's what's on the inside of you. If 20 minutes of just sickness and disease, and I sat there with a family member one time, and they talked about every ache and pain from the top of their head to, the toes, to their tippy toes of what was going on in their body. And I'm thinking, that has to be what you feed on all week. But if you can sit around someone and, and, and what they're saying is what's in the Word of God, I can hear what you're believing. Glory to God. You know how good it feels to talk to people that are sitting under your preaching week after week to hear the Word coming out of them? As opposed to someone hearing a message like this, and the moment we get in the foyer and talk with them, they say, Pastor, can you pray with me because I think I'm dying of such and such. You know how much that happens? That happens a lot. I'll preach on the will of God concerning healing, and people still don't get it because I listen to what they say out there in the foyer. Well, I sure hope God heals me. I, can you pray with me that I get healed? I just preached 60 minutes. Maybe I should go another 60 that Jesus has already healed you. Didn't I tell you that by his stripes you were healed? Don't you get it? And I want to just hit some people in the head to get all that junk out from one side of the head throughout the other ear. But... It really has to do with what you're lending your ear to. And how much more do we need to give ourselves to the hearing of the Word of God when you can't even watch a 45-minute program on TV without hearing about a disease on every commercial break? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Look what it says. These signs shall follow them that believe. Now, this is what I want you to get. We talked about faith, but notice this. In my name. 
Can I say that again? Because we're bringing emphasis on this. In my name. That's key right there. Faith in the name of Jesus. We have used that name so loosely. And for many people, it really isn't effective. And we're going to talk about why. Is this going to help you today? You, you, you eager to listen to this? But I'm here to tell you today, there is power in that name. He gave you that name kind of like a power tool. Now, I bought a power tool the other day, but it was the tool only. And so, you ever seen that? You, you get all these cordless power tools, and it was the tool only. And the battery was more expensive than the tool itself. But thankfully, I had three of those batteries at home. <laughs> Praise God. And thankfully for you, He gave you the tool of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost to back you up every time you use it. Hallelujah. In other words, he didn't give you just some empty cordless tool, but yet some people are so empty of the power of the Holy Ghost that every time they speak the name of Jesus, it's like clouds without rain. And so let's talk about this a little bit. Amen? Three things that you need to know about the name of Jesus that we're going to get into today and let's go through them briefly. Number one, Jesus received his powerful name that we have a right to use in three ways. Number one, Jesus inherited the name. Hallelujah. Look here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. He inherited this name. Jesus took the form of a servant. I'm going to read it in the Darby translation says he took on the form of a servant and he was made in the likeness of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross. And God highly exalted him and gave his name or gave him a name that is above every name. Hallelujah. Things at the name of Jesus uh, every name that's named has to bow in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. Just a little sub-point there. The name is resounded and found and heard in three different realms. Hallelujah. That's how powerful this name is. Where is it found in? It's in heaven. It's in this earth. And it's under the earth. In these three realms, that name is effective. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something right now. We could stop and preach on this for a long time. Every name that is named, even if you have a new name, a new disease that comes up that you never heard of. Boy, some of these diseases have some weird names too. I don't know what language they're in. <laughs> but it's just, just new name after new name, new disease after new disease. It's a name. But the name of Jesus is greater. The name of Jesus is greater than cancer. Every kind of cancer. The name of Jesus, but you got to believe in the name. That's what we're talking about. It's not just a lucky rabbit's foot that you carry around and, you, and, and crossing garlic in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name. No, this is something that you believe in. 
In fact, he's commissioned you, and he says, go as my witness. Go in my stead and tell them. That's basically what he's saying. Tell them my name, and they'll know that I sent you, and I'll back you up. That's my translation of it. And Jesus, he inherited this name. He, he earned this name. He became a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. He humbled himself. He stripped himself of everything. He became like you and I, lived a perfect life. He, he was tempted in every point, yet without sin. He was perfect and holy, and he earned this name. He inherited this name, and the devil knows when that name's mentioned, it's the same person, hallelujah, that he tried to tempt and couldn't get him to fall in his perfection and holiness. That name went down into the very pit of hell and represented God and defeated death, hell, and the grave and robbed him of the keys and took those keys. Glory to God. Jesus inherited that name that we would have the right to use it. He gave it to us. And because of that name, every name that's written, hallelujah, has to bow to it. Well, that's good. And number two, Jesus that name was conferred upon him. Philippians 2.9, we just read it. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him. He gave it, he conferred it upon him. A name which is above every name. Hallelujah. I love that. It is above every name. That name was given to him. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 says, being so much being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. An excellent name. Hallelujah. Look here, the third thing. We briefly talked about it. Jesus received the greatness of his name in conquest. You could talk about certain names that fought battles, great conquests, and that name represents something, right? Well, when you talk about the name of Jesus, it represents his great conquests. Colossians 2, verse 9 through 15, let's read that. Is this helping you? See, if we're going to have faith in the name, then we've got to see what that name represents. We've got to see when we hear that name, what that name represents in hell. What does that name represent in this earth? How is it represented? What does it mean to the earth? What is that name in heaven? The angels have a name, but that name's lower even than his because he has a more excellent name than they. Think about that. Verse 9, for in him... That includes his name as well. In his name dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. You could put there the word him in the equation, like an algebraic equation. You could make that X and you could put the word his name. In other words, you're complete in his name. All of his powers in his name which is the head of all principality and power. In his name also you are circumcised 
with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You are buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Now look here. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice what he did here. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way. Who did that? Jesus. And he nailed it to the cross, having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly triumphing in it. Who did that? Jesus. So when you come in that name, you're coming in the name of great conquest. You're coming in the name of a warrior that's already won. You're coming in the name of a substitute who took your place. You're coming in the name of someone who blotted out everything that was against you, who blotted out your sins, who blotted out your transgressions, who cleansed you, who circumcised you, who quickened you by a spirit. That name, hallelujah, is who you represent. Hallelujah. And so Jesus won that name in combat. He won that name in hell itself. And he rose up and said, I was dead, but I'm alive, and I've got the keys. It's what Revelations 1.18 tells us, that Jesus took the keys of hell and death away from the devil. A key represents authority, and Jesus took those keys of authority. And who did he give them to? He gave them to the church. Hallelujah. And the name of Jesus will open every door. It's like a it's like a treasure. Praise God. It'll open up every treasure on your behalf. We know that because 1 Corinthians 1:30 says, "But of him and his name are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, that's what the name represents. That's how he obtained the name. What can we do? What can we expect to do with that name? Well, according to John chapter 14, verse 12. Turn there with me if you would. John chapter 14, verse 12. We can expect to do the same works that Jesus did. Same works. So whatever we see Jesus doing, we can expect to do the very same works and greater works than these shall you do. People say, well, what are those greater works? Well, we've got to get more concerned with just doing the works and then let's do the greater after, but some of us aren't even doing the works. We get so caught up, what are the greater? What are the greater? Well, why don't we start doing the lesser? I've got some other things to say about the greater, but I'm not diminishing that fact. But there's some of the church that aren't even representing Jesus the same way the book of Acts did. Hallelujah. So we see here, can you put it up on the screen for me? John chapter 14, verse 12. The Bible tells us, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth 
on me. There's the word believe again. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Now, go to the very next verse here, verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name is healing in his name. Could we ask healing? Could we ask for deliverance? Could we ask for a a, a miracle? Yeah, anything in his name. He said, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What's he saying? He's saying, I'll do anything if you'll use my name. Is he talking about just people that just can pull it out of the hat and say, well, let's just try this out in the name of... No, no. He's talking about those that believe in his name. Guess what? If you believe little in his name, you'll have little results. If you believe some in his name, you're going to have some results. But if you have big faith in his name, you're going to have big results. Because whatever you ask... Now, that's not talking about prayer right there. Chapter 16, he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that's in contrast to that. That's talking about praying in the name. Here, the word ask in the Greek is the word demand, or it's a request. He's saying, whatever you demand in my name, that will I do. In other words, if you'll take my name and start demanding some things to turn and to change, I'll back you up and I'll do it for you. But notice what he says. He says, I'm going to the Father. You read, read the rest of the chapter. But I'm, I, I, don't, don't be worried about it. I'll still do it for you. But I'm going to do it by way of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to send you the helper of the Holy Ghost. And he's going to be with you. He's going to represent me. He's going to speak the things that I say. And I only say the things of the Father. So in other words, for you to, to be effective in this, you're going to have to be filled with the Holy Ghost what he's telling them then we see in acts chapter one turn there with me real quick go to acts chapter one i'm getting ahead of myself but i want to show you this because if we're going to use the name we got to represent it right right and he's saying if you if you ask anything in my name i'll do it and then he correlates that with the holy spirit so look here in acts chapter one can i have a few more minutes here y'all getting something out of this Verse 8, look at verse 8. He said, but you shall receive what? Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Now see the word witness there. What that literally means in in the literal Greek translation is you shall produce proof. In other words, you shall be my producers. And I really like what it goes on to say, you shall produce proof of my resurrection. In other words, if you want to prove to the world that I'm alive today, get to the upper room and get filled with power by getting filled up with the Holy Ghost and it coming upon you and you'll produce proof that I'm alive today in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what he's saying, right? 
So is it possible that people can just, in the name, in the name, in the name, and have an emptiness on the inside of them because they've got nothing that's come upon them? But how more effective would we be being filled with the Spirit, with power from on high? Hallelujah. You know, some of these batteries on these chargers, I mean on these power tools, they don't work very long unless you get the ones that have a lot of amperage to it, like the 8-amp ones I think it is. So if you get the ones that come with it, it may last you like 30 minutes. And uh, so I had to go down, and I bought a real expensive one so it could last me like three hours for what I was doing. And, uh, you know, they take a drain. And sometimes you can have a drain on you. You're believing God for certain things. You're going through certain things, and you're trusting God and all the cares of the world, and you're standing in faith. A lot of times there's a drain on you, and your flesh is trying to, take over that's when you got to stay connected and plugged into the power of the holy ghost and stay filled up let me just say this it's possible for you to be filled more today than you were yesterday and it's also possible for you to have less than you had yesterday we know this that i think it's over there in acts chapter 6 but it said stephen they you know they were getting they, they were getting worn down because they were, they were ministering to the widows and they didn't have anybody to serve tables. So they had to get people to serve so that the, the ministers could give themselves to prayer and fasting and give themselves to the Word. Because it's possible that you can be too, doing too many things. Even as a pastor, we can get so occupied in other stuff that we forget that we've got to hear from God to give to you. And that if we're pulled away from a place of hearing with natural things, too many natural things, that it could, it could cause us to be less effective. And so what, they were, what was happening in that day was there was so much need that was taking place, the widows were being neglected. And so they said, let's get us some people that are honest, of a good report, and full of faith. So it's possible that you're not full of faith, too. There's, in other words, they looked through the church and said, I can't use you, I can use you, I can't use you. You're half faith, you're full of faith, I'll use you. And what were they being used for? Serving tables. In other words, we're going to require that you're full of faith just to serve tables. And they found one whose name was Stephen, who was full of faith, and the power of the Holy Ghost. It, it brings reference to both. In other words, there were some they couldn't use because they weren't full of either one of those. So it had to have been recognized. And I can tell you as a pastor, supernaturally, we can look into your soul because we're shepherds of your soul. And I can tell where your gauge could be. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit will prompt us and say, I want you to start preaching on this more because my people need to get filled up because there's a draining going on. And what happens when there's a drain on your power tool? You're pressing the button and the thing's not turning. And a lot of people are using the name of Jesus and it's not being effective. And it could be, could it be, could it be that you're so drained and so dry, you've lost your shout, you've lost your fire, you've... 
Did we not talk about this? Didn't Brother Martin not say, some of you I've seen you dance. Some of you I've seen you shout. Some of you I've seen you praise God. I've seen you spin. I've seen you. I've seen you. I've seen you. Well, I've seen you too. And I've also seen you drained. And I've seen me drained. So I'm not telling you something that I'm exempt from. I got to get back under the spout where the glory came out. <laughs> in other words, the Bible talks about in the book of Acts, there's times of refreshing. I, maybe I should spend more time on this because it's possible that throughout a work week, we can get so depleted and so drained with all of our human things. Well, we're all human. Well, there's something better about you than just being than, than the human element. You're a supernatural being because you've been born of God. And you want to make sure that you're sustained and you're kept by that power. And you want to make sure that your spirit is constantly fed and that you're full. Praise God. Full of what? The word which produces faith. Full of faith. In other words, you don't want to find yourself lacking when it comes to hearing because it will affect you as to what you're full of. And you don't want to find yourself empty when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want to be full to overflowing. Why? Because I promise you, you'll get attacked some way. And when you get attacked, you don't want to have a drained battery. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for your enthusiasm on that. But it's good stuff. Can you say amen? Now he says this. He says, greater work shall you do because he goes to the Father. And so Jesus, we see, giving this invitation and commission, basically prior to the Holy Ghost being poured out, right, in Acts chapter 2. Was Peter there in that upper room? Was John there in that upper room? Were they? Yeah. So we can see in Acts chapter 3 how faith in the name of Jesus, accompanied by the power of the Holy Ghost, affected a body that needed healing. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 3. Y'all getting anything out of this? Verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being about the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb was carried and so he, he, he was more than sick, probably. He needed, he needed a miracle, right? He needed strength. He needed some certain things to trigger and work in his body that weren't working. And it says he was lame from his mother's womb. He was carried. And they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Why? He was laid there to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Isn't it something how some people will use uh, their infirmity and their weakness to manipulate money out of people? And some people, it works so well that they would rather stay sick for their sympathies and for everything that's given to them because of that, all the attention. They'd rather stay sick than be delivered from it because they're they're so insecure that the, the, the sympathy makes them feel secure. Is it possible for that to happen to a believer? Yeah. What, what would be your remedy? Be secure with the attention that God gives you. Be dependent on what God says about you. Who cares what everybody else says about you? It may change from day to day because people are fleshy. 
Who cares what people think about you? I don't care what people think about me. My joy is not in other people's head. No telling what you think about me. But I do know what God thinks about me. I know he loves me. And I'm very, very secure in that. And you know what love does? Perfect love casts out all fear. Hallelujah. So if I'm secure with his attention on me and his love for me, then regardless of what else is going around me, I know I'm okay. Does that help anybody here today? Hallelujah. And so people will use their weaknesses like this man. They used his disease or they used his problem and laid him at the gate. What did they do? He wasn't asking for prayer. He wasn't asking for healing. He was asking for money. Right? Why? Because they used that for that. But see, notice this. That's just a little side point. Be careful that you don't do that. Because it turns into witchcraft. It's manipulation. But notice here in verse 3, it said, When they seen Peter and John. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple? uh, They asked him for alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John. And this is an important point. He said, look on us. Now, that's a bold statement. In other words, what he's saying is, we've got something for you. It's not money, but I've got something for you. It's like saying, I'm anointed, and the anointing on me is going to change you, and you're never going to be the same again. Could you walk up to somebody with that kind of confidence and boldness, and they're sitting there sick, can't breathe, and you walk into that room and say, I'm here now. Well, they say, well, what's so special about you? I'm being sent. I'm coming in the name of someone greater than me who's defeated what you're going through already. I'm here in the name of Jesus. And because I'm here, you're never going to be the same again. Things are about to change for you from this moment on. Why aren't we bold like that? Well, let me tell you, boldness will come through relationship. And some of us have no relationship with the fire. These guys just got out of the upper room. Didn't we just talk about Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, be, be endued with power from on high. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and you're going to produce proof. Why? Because when they see you, they're going to see me. Man, I don't have much time, and I've got a lot left here. But notice what he says. Peter, he, the, the, he said, look on us. Verse 5, he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. In other words, it triggered an expectation. He probably thought, oh, they're going to give us some money. But it did throw him into this realm of expectation. And it said, verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. What did he have? In the name of Jesus. There it is. Healing right here you're about to see in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And look at verse 7. He took him by the right hand. He lifted him up. And immediately his feet, ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood, walked, entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was 
He that sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what just happened to them. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or our own holiness we made this man to walk? And then he goes on to say, this skip down for time's sake, verse 16, it's because of his name and through faith in his name that made this man strong, whom you now see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. What was the key? Was it Peter and John? No, he said, he said, it's not by our holiness. You guys are looking at us like we're some God or something. You think it's by our performance or by our works? No, 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 no. It was this man's faith in the name. Say that with me. Faith in the name. Can we develop a strong faith in the name? Yeah. Now, from this chapter over even into the fourth chapter, the name agitated all the religious people. I don't have time to get into it. But the name really, it still to this day agitates devils. Do you know that? It, it, it's agitating to the devil when a believer actually believes in that name and comes representing in that name. The devil knows he's lost. It's interesting in Acts chapter 19, after through the hands of Paul, God wrought special miracles. There were people there that seen that. And they, they seen people that needed help, that had evil spirits. And they tried to replicate the disciples, the apostles, by using the name. They even said, we adjure you, Satan, in the name of Jesus who Paul talks about. And do you know that the devil spoke back to him and said, Paul, I know, even the name of Jesus, I know, but we don't know you. Isn't it interesting that the devil even knows when you're a fraud? <laughs> he knows the real from the mimic. He knows religion and he knows relationship. The key was, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But I don't know you. Notice the word no, 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 no. There was a difference. Paul knew Jesus. Peter and John knew Jesus. Right? Even when they were being tried by the council, they said, we, we realize what type of men you are, but we can tell that you've been with Jesus. You've hung out with Jesus. We can tell. And the, the, the man that was laid at the gate beautiful was with them. And they said, we can't even deny what happened. They said, this is a notable miracle. But, but what they said after that was, we command you to never to use that name again. Why? 
Because the devil, who's the god of this world, is working through systems in this world. Don't you think for one moment that things that you see in the government that's happening right now doesn't have a diabolic uh, influence to it? Thinking, th- I mean, people think, well, it's okay for, for, for men to play in women's sports. Are, are you kidding me? It's okay to be a transgender. It's okay to... Are, are you serious that that's tolerable now with Christians? No. There's a diabolic twist to it because the God of this world wants to influence even people within the church so that they become so weak and ineffective and unproductive. That's why you need to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, you're full of His discernment too. And you can tell the difference between right and wrong. And when a Christian that's posting things like, it ain't no big deal, Christians making a big deal about homosexuality and all this transgender stuff and all this aborting and all these things, they shouldn't make a big when when, it, when you're soft on that, you're probably empty of the Holy Ghost. And probably every time you use the name of Jesus, it don't work for you. And you use the word love as kind of, well, we just need to love. Well, we do love. And then come to our services, and that's all right. But we don't love sin. Oh, uh, forgive me for getting on this. Don't forgive me. I don't care. But there's a reason why we're weak, and when we try to use our authority, that it's, it really put, it has no effect on the devil. He's just sitting, he's sitting there saying, I don't even know who you are. You, you look like the rest of the people in the United States. You've accepted my ways. <laughs> you smell like hell. You look like hell. What makes you think hell's going to respond to you? You, you know, I, I know Jesus. You don't look nothing like him. I know Paul. I've seen Peter and John. And, and, and yeah, you're a believer, but you're not effective. In fact, I'm winning in your life because you're so empty. You haven't been to Joel's place. <laughs> Joel's place. You don't even believe in tongues. And See, we get so tripped up on stuff that we reject certain things that God intended for the church to have because everybody in the early church that used the name of Jesus were full of the Holy Ghost in fire and power. Amen. I want to be effective. I, I, I don't want to lay empty hands on empty heads. And there's a lot of empty heads, but there's times when I was like, What's wrong? And I can tell you what it is. It's, we don't spend time in the Word. We're empty with faith. And we don't spend time with the presence of God. So we're empty of the fire. And it affects our conscious and awareness of the God who's on the inside of us. And we become more aware of everything going on around us. And it turns into unbelief and we become ineffective. And there's the devil saying, <laughs> I know that pastor. I know this individual. I know that believer. But who are you? And we're thinking, yeah, but it worked for them. It's like the individual, my wife was going to Rama Bible College in 1990, and someone got up to testify how they gave their car away. God blessed them with a new car. And she said, everybody in the class thought, well, if it worked for them, it'll work for me. And they were riding bicycles the rest of the year. 
because one person heard from God out of their relationship with God, they acted in faith. You did it because you heard another man did it. And that's how the church has been with using their authority, using their confession, trying to rid themselves of certain things in their body. And it hadn't worked because we've been so far away from the fire, we're ice cold. This is pretty good preaching. He said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Well, well, if that's so, just, I'm just going to use that scripture. And do it. You, no, you better know the one who wrote that. And you better spend time with the one who wrote that. You better get in his presence and be familiar with it, or the devil won't recognize you. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop with that. Did y'all get anything out of that? Let me give you this one verse. <laughs> one verse. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord. Can we see in the scripture there's healing in the name of the Lord? Yeah. There's healing in the name of the Lord. Look at verse 10 of Proverbs 18. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. You know what a strong tower is? It's a safe place. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord is a safe place. It's a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Inside the name of Jesus, we have a place of authority that no matter what comes against us, because we are in Christ and we have that name, we are kept safe. Now, Moses had a rod. That rod represented authority. We have the name. That name represents authority. But Moses still had to take that rod and stretch it out over the sea for that sea to divide. And just because you have the name, you have to take that name and get it coming out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Because that's how faith works. You can hear faith. You get it coming out of your mouth. And whatever it is you're facing, it will divide. Because it has to bow to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus' authority has been invested into you. And because of that, you have been delivered. Hallelujah. From the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That name, it's celebrated in the kingdom of heaven. That name's not so celebrated in the earth, but it works in the earth. That name is not so celebrated. It might be celebrated in hell, but it's too late for those that are in hell. If you're in hell and you're calling out for the name of Jesus, it's too late. But if you're in the earth, you can still call on the name of Jesus. And there's no other salvation given among men whereby you, no other name given among men whereby you must be saved, but by the name of Jesus. That's what the scripture says. There's no other name that you can be saved. Now, the word saved there is the word sozo, which means healed, delivered, right? So there's no other name given among men whereby you can be healed. Same thing, right? So that means we're to believe in that name only for our solution and for our fix. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. 
Hallelujah. Give God a big shout this morning. And thank God that you have his authority here on this earth. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word has caused faith to rise up in our hearts. Faith to act out on what you have spoken to us today. And we believe in Jesus' name that we have that power and that authority invested in us. And we are carriers of that name in the earth. We're proof producers. I thank you, Lord, that in this day, we shall ask anything in that name or demand anything in that name, and you shall do it for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. In the name of Jesus, if you have symptoms in your body right now, in the name of Jesus, I command every symptom to leave your body. Every ache, every ailment, every pain, every dismemberment or things that are disjointed, I command them to come back into line. I speak to your blood pressure. You that's watching right now online, you've been dealing with high blood pressure and it hasn't been able to regulate. I speak to that and I command it right now to come down in the name of Jesus. I thank you in the name of Jesus, your circulation is normal. In the name of Jesus, your heart is beating normal. In the name of Jesus, I call you healed. In the name, hallelujah, that's greater, uh, greater than any other name. We thank you for that. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Give God a big shout one more time. Praise God. Did you get something out of that today? Are you eager to go take your authority and work that during the week? Yeah. Are you eager, too, to stay in the presence of God and to stay filled up? Yeah. Because it's possible that you get filled up with the wrong thing, and it just it, you just start spewing unbelief and bitterness and anger and all these things, and you just start sounding like the rest of the world when we're supposed to represent Jesus here on this earth. Amen? And we're carriers of that name. Jesus, aren't you thankful for that name? That name and that individual, Jesus, saved you. And you are saved right now because of him. And if you're watching today, I recognize everybody in here. It looks like we're all family and everybody's born again. But you might be watching right now and you've never received Jesus. Going to church does not save you. Uh, you, you know, religion does not save you. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. And it's the name of Jesus. And right where you're at, you could be listening to us in the car and driving somewhere. Right now, you can call on that name. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, well, how do I do that? Simply say, Jesus, I call on you right now to save me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. I thank you that what you did on the cross has forgiven me from all my sins. I receive that now. I receive my salvation. If you'll pray this prayer with me, I'll, I'll just kind of help you in calling on that name. And if you'll believe in your heart, you'll be saved today. Just right where you're at, say this with me. And the congregation will say it as well. Say, Jesus, I call on you now for salvation. I believe that you died for me. Because you love me. I believe that what you did on the cross was just for me. You shed your blood to wash away all my sins. I receive that now. 
I receive my justification. And I believe right now, because of you, I am right with God. And I believe that you rose from the dead and you did that for me so that I can live in victory all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. I am saved. Aren't you glad you're saved? Look up to heaven right now and thank Him for saving you for such a great salvation. We thank you. We magnify you right now and we give you all of the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen.